Continued interviews from Studio HFL are made possible through the support of Messina Covers, Eastman Music Company, Pickett Blackburn, S.E. Shires, and through the generosity of Patreon subscribers. Trumpet players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other brass instrumentalists. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case designs, even down to crazy color schemes. Let's not forget about options for mouthpiece pouches, or pretty much anything you'd want to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. If you're looking for excellence in trumpets, trombones, horns, and tubas, you need look no further than the Eastman Music Company and S.E. Shires. Eastman offers a complete line of brass instruments, from the beginner all the way up to the professional. And you know they're invested in creating a quality product when the legendary Doc Severinsen helped design Eastman's beginner trumpet model. You can find more information about the Eastman Music Company at EastmanWinds.com and you can learn more about the S.E. Shires line of instruments at SEShires.com. Pickett Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. If you haven't had a chance to try any mouthpieces available through Pickett, you can check them out online at PicketBlackburn.com. And on the Blackburn side of Pickett Blackburn, it would be worth your while to check out their incredible line of trumpets endorsed by such great musicians as Vince DiMartino. Be sure to check them out at PicketBlackburn.com, and that's Pickett with two T's. And before today's interview, just a reminder that you too can be a financial supporter for this podcast by subscribing at patreon.com slash studiohfl. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash studiohfl. There are four tiers of support, and you can choose the one that best fits your budget. Your support will help offset the cost of production for this podcast and would be greatly appreciated please consider becoming a subscriber at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And now, on to today's interview with your host, Larry Powell. Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL. And a quick thanks to Aaron Rom doing the voiceover here at the beginning, middle, and end of the podcast. On today's show, David Krauss, principal trumpet of the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. And I spoke with him back in June of 2020. Without any further ado, David Krause. Welcome. Thanks. I um, I have to give my microphone to my kids, uh, so uh, I don't have the external mic. But can you hear me okay? Oh, I hear you just fine. Yeah. Okay. It Good. Works. Well, that was a waste of a hundred bucks on an external mic. <laughs> well, were you using it to play? I yeah. I mean, it's we're uh, actually running a. I, I ran a trumpet seminar thing, and then my wife. Uh, it has her own music program that she's running. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's necessary with all the instruments, but I think, yeah. Sure. So, well, thank you for agreeing to be here. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you as a guest. Sure. If anybody says no, they're full of shit because nobody's got <laughs> anything to do. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think this might be the 22nd interview I've done since, uh-huh. since the lockdown. This is, but this is good. You know, it yeah. gives me something to do as well, but. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you're kind of a big deal. Oh, well, I like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I would disagree. Yeah, right. The, those are those are the people that keep us humble, right? Yeah. So I think I talked to one of your now former colleagues, Peter Bond, uh, uh-huh. course, who just had announced his retirement. I got I got that. He, he texted us. What? And you, well, he I mean, I mean, it's got to be official with the Met, but he texted 
me and <clears throat> the other guys in the, in the trumpet section. And uh, it was so peak in that it was, uh, it was succinct, it was uh, uh, powerful, and it was humorous. So he just with a couple of words, he's like, you know, I'm I'm done. <laughs> wow. So it was a uh, yeah. It was a, uh, uh, it was a he's a great guy, great player. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So you know, I first heard about you uh, specifically when this really terrific recording came out. I don't know how many years ago it's been now, but you did uh, Hunter's Chorus and a bunch of other uh, pieces for brass arrangements for brass. Yeah, that was our first seat, first of three that we did, uh, I think that was like 08 or 09, maybe, I, I can't remember. Obviously. Yeah, it's been a while, but wow, what just, you know, fantastic playing and obviously great arrangements uh, of fantastic. all those pieces. John Shepard did all of, uh, all the arrangements for all three of our CD recordings, yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other f uh, projects in the, in the works, or I guess everything's kind of tabled for now? Everything is kind of tabled for now, yeah. We, uh, those, those, so we did three recordings, <clears throat> Um, each one got bigger uh, in scope and uh, I think better recording wise. Uh, but, it, you know, it's so difficult to uh, now, you know, now we can probably put something together really well because nobody's doing anything. But <laughs> especially at the, at the Opera House, the hours are so, so busy. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. uh, there's no, there's no weekend. There's no, uh, there's no week of Christmas pops where, you know, just a couple of people oh. playing so we could do that. <clears throat> we're just constant. So just finding time to rehearse. We were rehearsing for that uh, during intermissions of, of <laughs> operas and uh, much less trying to find time to record. So uh, our last CD, which was uh, recorded up at St. John the Divine, uh, mm -hmm. all Gabrielli motets that weren't, you know, weren't previously arranged for for brass um, that John Shepard did for us. Um, we did that. A lot of the recording sessions wouldn't start until later because, uh, you know, we had a show and then we would go up there and be recording until one o'clock in the morning um, or later. So yeah, the, the logistics of it are difficult, but uh, it was fun. Uh, I think probably when things get back to normal, uh, probably look to do do something else, but maybe more of a live capture format. Seems like that seems to be the trend lately. Just mm -hmm. do a concert recording that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, tell me a little bit about uh, what life is like now in this in this uh, shutdown. Well, I'd imagine it's much like like everyone else's. Um, the 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 immediate things were were uh, pretty rough, uh, as with with everyone. Fortunately. Everyone in my immediate family, uh, no, no one's gotten sick, and that's been really a. a I'm thankful for that, mm -hmm. especially because right before a couple of weeks, my grandmother turned 99, and uh, my grand, we had a party for her, right when like, I forget when this was. Uh, well, it was it was it was about like three weeks, two weeks before the lockdown kind of mm -hmm. happened. So uh, everybody kind of knew it was kind of going around, but like everybody was just like, hey, you know, better elbow bump, you know, you don't want to catch this thing. But it wasn't like, it wasn't so, it came so quickly. So we all got together at my mom's apartment um, and my grandmother came down. Uh, this was in Manhattan. And 
we were all, there was like 30 people there in, you know, in a small space, all hugging and being around. And, and then this happened. So my first instinct was like, oh my God, you know, this like a 90 year, 99 year old woman. Mm-hmm. So she's fine. I'm talking wood as we speak. So, um, so I'm, I'm grateful for that. But then, um, and then the Met furloughed us. Um, which I didn't even really know what a furlough was. I think it was like, uh, I mean, I kind of knew, like I knew it had to do with losing your job, but I didn't really know. And so I, I had to Google, you know, what, what exactly is a furlough? Like, what am I right now? Uh, so yeah, they, uh, as soon as the, we, we saw it coming, our, our committee told us that this might be a possibility and everybody's like, no, nah, that's never going to happen. Well, mm-hmm. it did happen. So, um, once once we were furloughed and i got my last check um i my immediate concern was our apartment so we we live in new york city we live in in lincoln center and i have four kids so we've always needed a a three-bedroom apartment um so that's that's a that's my biggest expense is is Mm -hmm. having an apartment in new york city um and uh but we also have a house up in the berkshires which is two hours north of the city uh we're right near tanglewood because i work up here in the summertime so we usually use this house that i'm in right now for weekends and holidays and whenever we can get up there we love it up here i always plan to retire up here i just never (laughs) plan to like you know unofficially retire temporarily (laughs) um so right when this happened i i said you know we can't even afford one more month's rent in the city so we were renting so i Long story short, I uh, went down there and packed. We're six people living there for about 15 years. So I packed wow. it all up in like two days and just had to get a, um, had to get a moving company. It was a lot. It was just a whirlwind. And mm-hmm. uh, this is when New York City was the epicenter of the virus. So it, it wasn't easy, but um, we did it and we're up here. And it was heartbreaking for many reasons, but we're very, very lucky to have this, mm-hmm. uh, this great house. And everybody has space and and uh you know the it's it's comfortable so that's that's where i've been yeah so Um, are there plans to go back or will you think about commuting uh i'm not sure yet Uh, i know the met um as announced in the new york times and like so many orchestras um uh has canceled their fall season so Mm -hmm. the earliest date we could think about going back would be uh first of the year um I'm not, I'm not planning on that. I mean, I'm hoping for that, just like I was hoping for the fall a couple weeks ago. But um, nothing's really looking great. So um, I'm, I'm, we're gonna hunker down here. Uh, <clears throat> my, my kids go back to school, so there might be some commuting. We might maybe rent a very small place somewhere. I'm, you know, everything's kind of just up in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, we're some of my colleagues had to uh, had to leave and go back. Uh, you know, one of my well, there was just an article in the New York Times a couple days ago, featuring some of the young players in at the Met, and this is systematic across the board. For it, they just chose the Met to to feature. It could have been any orchestra, mm-hmm. but the article was something to the effect of, uh, you know, you finally got your dream job and uh, you move to New York and you do all these great things. And then a year later, a season later, it's, it's, it's gone. And now what? And so one of them is back in 
uh, in Costa Rica. Another one is is at home, uh, uh, maybe in the city, but thinking about moving. So everybody's kind of in this mm -hmm. diaspora, and everybody's everywhere. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's it's week to week right now, right? Um, yeah. So what's the playing been like during uh, during this? Have you been able to find the motivation to keep the horn up? No. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I knew the answer to that. I mean, yeah, I think no, we've, we've all suffered that, right? <laughs> one of my, the funniest thing was one of my colleagues, um, I was texting with him and he is a good friend of mine. And uh, he texted me back. Um, he says, you know, I learned something really vital about myself and my trouble playing. In my trouble playing. He says, you know, I like to get, I like to get paid to play. <laughs> it's something that I've grown accustomed to, but it's something that I enjoy. And I said, you know what? I like that too. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went through a bit of that. Um, I always, in the summertime, um, I try, I, I stay busy in the summer. I play a lot. Um, and so, and the Met season goes past the opera season. Then we have symphonic concerts and then I mm -hmm. do a couple of festivals and I'm teaching a lot and then I do another festival. Um, so it's, it's pretty constant, but usually the last one or two weeks of August, uh, going into September, I have some breaks. So I try to, I try to not play, um, at all for at least a couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, this started and trumpet was literally the last thing on my mind, literally. Um, I mean, I had all my trumpets here, but I had no, I had no, uh, I don't know. I was just thinking about my family, thinking about my finances. I was thinking mm. about the world and just trumpet just didn't factor into it at all. Um, and then that went on for a couple of weeks and I was doing projects, keeping myself busy and I'm baking sourdough bread like everybody else in the world. <laughs> and I, I, I built a couple of really cool things in my house and I finally had some time to just, you know, do some things that I've always you know never had time to do and then i found myself just staring at trumpets uh and uh just trying to trying to get motivated but just, i couldn't um i i just i didn't want to listen to music uh i didn't want no i was just uh just kind of depressing that way and then um fortunately uh i we got a uh uh together uh we called it the new england virtual trumpet seminar mm -hmm. so uh me and uh ben wright who plays uh second trumpet with the boston symphony <clears throat> and a couple of the other boston symphony guys and another great player from the from the new england area boston area joe foley um and i we we and so it was tom siders too from the bso we got our heads together and said you know we're usually teaching at TMC Tanglewood Music Center and BUTI, which is also in Tanglewood. And then I go out to Aspen and all my students have festivals that were canceled. And our thought was, you know, we're usually busy. Our students are usually busy. Let's try to come up with something that makes us all busy. So we came up with a two week festival. One week was for college and one week was for high school. And uh, we said, well, you know, everybody's on Zoom. Let's try to, let's, let's get like Gabor, uh, from 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 Hungary and let's get um, Karen Bliznik from St. Louis and it was just like anybody who we asked was like yeah sure so we had <laughs> we had a, a people so we had a for two weeks we had a trumpet camp uh, now looking back on it, it was just crazy uh, what how quickly it came together um, and I 
So every morning was a warm-up session. And every afternoon was a master class. And then we were teaching lessons. And then we'd have a guest clinician, whether it's Esteban from Chicago or Fritz Damerau, who's the former principal of Trumpet of Concertgebouw, or Bob Malone did a talk um, on trumpet design. So it was this jam-packed thing. And um, I didn't want to sound bad. So right before that, I started playing a little bit. And then, <clears throat> sure enough, uh, just going through all the master classes. The master classes that I wasn't teaching, I was listening to and participating in. So mm -hmm. um, I feel like I'm in pretty pretty good shape now. And uh, now my wife has um, her program, which is called Berkshire Summer Music. And that is a program for uh, string and pianists. Um, I had a brass component of it years ago, but um, it was a summer camp. So for two weeks, we would... We, we rent a school up here um, in the Berkshires, very close to our house, and um, the sleepaway camp for two weeks. And we're up to like 70 kids over the last five, six years. This is the sixth or seventh year, I can't remember. So it's been growing and growing and growing. And um, so as part of that, a couple of them had uh, siblings that also played the trumpet. So my wife said, um, Oh, my Trump, my husband can do a program. So we had two weeks of really intense first college and then high school. And the other guys were like, oh, thank God that's over. That's a lot. And then my wife put, so this, for the next two weeks, I'm running a program for uh, middle, middle school, like a 13, 14 year old trumpet player. So that's, that's what I was doing all day today. And that's what I'll be doing for the next. So it's been a lot and my neck is craned from, from staring at the screen like everybody else's. But I have to say, um, to be able to interact uh, on a musical level, even on, on through the internet is, a, is something that has kept me sane. Uh, I'm just, I'm worried about when this is over now, I have to have something else to do or else I start to go. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw on Facebook the other day, uh, it looks like, um, might have been a Father's Day post. Uh, you had a cellist. Is your son a cellist? And yeah, uh, yeah. Look, looks like you were making some music together. Yeah, that was from a recital uh, that Chris Martin and I did uh, a few years ago. Um, and, Who's that? Uh, exactly. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so we the recital we played each is so, like two solos, and then we both did some two trumpet things, and it, it was a nice time. Um, and from that, I, I extracted that um, that this piece uh, by Andre Previn that's originally for trumpet, cello, and soprano. And there's a beautiful recording of Yo-Yo Ma playing with Andre on the piano, uh, and uh, Don Upshaw is singing, and it's mm. just it's gorgeous. And uh, and I'm always looking for stuff to play with my with my uh, with my kids, and uh, that you know. He was at, at the time he was uh, undergraduate at Juilliard. Now he's uh, in the fall, hopefully going back for his master's mm -hmm. there. But um, yeah, all my kids play musical instruments. Um, Noah's is uh, he's 23 now, and his brother he has a twin brother, and he also plays musical instruments and is very musical. But he went to film school. Mm -hmm. so, um, Still a lot of talent though. That's good. It's, yeah, they're they're like severely talented, especially compared <laughs> to me. I mean. Noah, that, that, that kid that you saw play, uh, he plays the piano and the cello. Mm -hmm. And he, um, I, I can, I mean, I have to count on my fingers to read a bass clef. 
Um, so, in, you know, what, what all my kids can do is, is just leaves me in the dust in mm -hmm. so many ways. But it's all because my wife, my wife, you know, started them on string instruments. And, sure. Uh, she's a violinist herself and she teaches uh, uh, young kids. She, Does she do uh, Suzuki? Yeah, she, uh, there's a school in New York City called the School for Strings, which is uh, like, um, it's based in the Suzuki method. So um, yeah, all my kids started with, with Twinkle and went, uh, you know, they started when they were three, <laughs> and yeah. uh, so because of that, they were able to, you know, sight sing and and do it's it's just an amazing program. Um, and they all played two instruments going, and there was always practicing. And uh, mm -hmm. I stayed clear of that. I think I think I started. You do it like you know the way like you, if you don't want to do dishes, all you have to do is, is screw it up a couple of times, and then they're like, and then you know. So actually in my house, I take care of the dishes and my wife does literally everything else. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a good deal for me. Um, yeah. so she, she made sure that they were practicing and doing all the right things. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, uh, I, I deal with my trumpet and that's about it. Yeah. How long have you been with them at? Um, I started in 01. So this would have been my 20th season. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you came in as principal? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I had auditioned. Uh, Mel Broyles was the principal trumpet player that I replaced. Um, he he would have uh, well, he would have died on the job. Uh, he he, he mm -hmm. never wanted to leave. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, Avon, yeah, yeah, I gotta go. Can you figure it out? What's the problem? Yeah, do whatever you want. Sorry about that. No worries. Uh, I'm also. Turns out I'm the superintendent of my house. Like anything, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> my daughter just asked me, you know, why is the dryer unplugged? You know, plug it back in. Anyway, um, so yeah, Mel Broyles, uh, legendary trumpet player. He, uh, uh, I, I auditioned for his job, and then uh, shortly after that, he, he passed away. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so he he he'd been at the Met for a really long time. Did you ever have a chance to play with him before you got yeah. there? Yeah, I started subbing with the Met when I was still in school, um, and just playing offstage um, and some stuff. And um, Mel was there. We did one opera called Lohengrin. Lohengrin has a really famous scene where you have, uh, I mean, if, if, if there's a production of Lohengrin, in your town and you don't get called, you should feel bad because there's a lot of trumpets <laughs> that get called for that. I think there was like 12 extra trumpet players um, on that. So um, there's there are different groups. So there's battle scenes, great music actually. Mm -hmm. um, and there's trumpets at the Met, um, offstage trumpets everywhere in the house. So a couple are, we call them in the domes. They're basically in the ceiling. Uh, there's a couple there, there's a couple backstage, there's a pair um, on either side, and there's four that stand in the back of the pit, in addition to the three or four that's in the pit playing in the orchestra. So the, the battle scenes, so different armies are, are, are descending upon this, this, this one battlefield and you hear the different battle calls. So I was in the, the group with Mel, so the four trumpet players, um, inside the pit but not playing the pit parts um so uh i so all the entire opera you just hang out with your group because it gets you know you, you got to hang out and then you get called in and mm -hmm. do it 
And um, that was an experience. Anybody, I don't have that many experiences with Mel, but especially Pete had a lot of experiences. Anybody who had to play with him, uh, he was a, a larger than life trumpet player and a larger than life personality. I had a limited experience with him, uh, but the experience that I had was, um, was memorable mm -hmm. uh, to say the least. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it was, um, it, it, even his style of playing. I mean, by the time I was playing with him, it was kind of like, he was, you know, like an exaggeration of himself, like, you know, fat Elvis, you know what I mean? Like, like, I, like Elvis, <laughs> like when he was younger, had such a beautiful voice. It's so great. And then it's like, kind of becomes, like I said, like a, mm -hmm. a, a caricature of himself. So Mel, everything he did was exaggerated. Just like everything was tongued really hard. And there was sports sandals on every note. But the one thing, it, 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 a lot of energy, a lot of passion for playing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was it was a lot. He, he was yeah. a lot. He was a lot. Yeah. So how did you get drawn to the opera job? Are you, were you just looking, I got to find a job somewhere? You know, I mean, the difference between orchestral playing and, and opera is huge, right? I mean, the, the rep is so... Uh, well, I'd rather let you talk about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm happy to hear you talk about it. Um, yeah, the um, well, it's not like I had my pick of jobs. You know, this was the job that I won. Uh, there, I would have <laughs> had I won the job that was right. Uh, I forget now which job. Uh, I think it was maybe Dallas Symphony had a, a principal opening, or was it associate? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was the job that I think Jeff Kernow went on to win. No, 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 he was already in Philly. I forget. Um, th there was another job opening at the time, mm -hmm. um, and some amazing trumpet player got that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, the Met is the job that I want. In hindsight, you could say it was, uh, I was destined to be there because I, uh, mm -hmm. I grew up uh, outside of New York City on Long Island, and uh, my parents, um, uh, my parents, uh, always opera was in the house um mm. uh, loved loved opera loved uh loved music and uh and and signed me up for the children's chorus so when i was uh when i was around 12 um maybe even 11 i can't remember exactly um i used to go in my mom used to drive me in um twice a week i think for rehearsals and then i appeared in some productions at the Met. So um, I was singing on the stage when some of the, I'm not sure if they're still around now, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe Dave Langlitz was one of the last ones. Or there was a couple one of, uh, players in the brass section, certainly the orchestra that mm -hmm. were playing in the orchestra when I was singing on the stage. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so, yeah, and I remember that viscerally. Um, and my own kids, we're in the children's chorus and you know my parents uh uh came to the opera all the time and my mom still has her seats there and so it's um it's it, it, it's it's been part of my life for a long time mm -hmm. so the fact that i'm there is uh you know my mother would say i was destined to be principal trumper of the men so, you know especially with her sitting there um and my parents watching me play 
um, and seeing my, having, having seen me sing on the stage and then also play with my own kids when they were younger <laughs> on the stage. So everything is like very neat and tidy with a bow of, of aren't I lucky, but that the reality of it is, is that I was auditioning for many jobs and I would have taken the first one I got. Um, <laughs> so, and the Met happened to be, um, mm -hmm. the, the one that I got. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, either way you want to look at it, I'm, uh, fortunate and and i don't i don't take it for granted even uh especially now i don't i don't take right. it for granted. Right. um but uh yeah it's it's been it's been it's been great yeah where had you been before that um uh nowhere i mean in new york <laughs> i didn't leave i didn't leave new york um i graduated i went to juilliard for um undergrad and masters and, um, and then after my master's, <clears throat> I graduated my, with my master's in 95. Um, and I stayed in New York. I was married already. Um, I got married. Yeah. When I was just out of my master's got married in, in 95. Yeah. Um, uh, so we were in New York. My wife was working and I was freelancing, uh, in the city and taking, um, taking, auditions all over the place um i had won a couple of jobs um but uh one job i decided not to take because i was doing better i was making more money freelancing in the city actually than it's a good job but um and you know, uh, i could have i could have i was gonna take it but then i i ended up not so i ended up staying in new york and um i was doing great playing it was i was playing on broadway I was subbing with the New York Philharmonic. I was playing with the Long Island Philharmonic. I was playing with the Brooklyn Philharmonic. I was subbing with the New Jersey Symphony. I was playing with uh, the Orchestra of St. Luke's. I was doing jingles. I was teaching. It was great. I was doing like a different thing every day. And uh, my schedule was, was pretty regular. It was great. And it was all due to uh, my trumpet teacher at the time, Chris Gecker. Uh, mm. uh, Chris was um, the number one call legit trumpet player in uh, in New York City and he started to use me on some of his jobs and if I could just work 10% of his schedule <laughs> I was making I was I was doing fantastic mm -hmm. and that's when I was in school so that really was fantastic for me it made it really easy and I would have been perfectly content doing that um, until he moved out of town, he went to the University of Maryland to start his 10 years as a professor there. And um, then I was just stuck with the work that I got on my own, on my own merit. And uh, basically that was just the orchestra stuff that places where I had gotten into the finals were done well. And then I was on their radar. So they would call me for sub work. So, but you know, as a sub, if you're just subbing, say with the near Philharmonic and they go several weeks and they'll call you or go several weeks and there's a Mozart week and you're, you can't count on that kind of work. So, um, it dried up pretty quick. Um, and then I, you know, I was really stressed and focused on trying to get, um, land one of these jobs. So my job was just getting up early in the morning, uh, to practice like really early in the morning. Cause that's the only time I had to myself because, my boys were born in 97 um, and my wife was working. So I, my job was 
was being home with the kids when when she wasn't working mm-hmm. uh, when she was working i should say so i had um i used to get up early in the morning go to manhattan school of music where i taught at the pre-college at the time mm-hmm. and um i can get in there at six o'clock in the morning and i could go from six to nine thirty every day it's the only time i had to practice regularly um so i used to get up at five forty-five, go with a huge mug of coffee and all my trumpets <laughs> and work on my excerpts and practice for until 9.30. And I get home by 9.45, so my wife could leave the tent. Um, and then the rest of the day was spent, you know, taking care of these babies and, and uh, watching Sesame Street and lying down on the floor with them and, and mm-hmm. eating their, 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 their peaches and, 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 and pushed up carrots. And it was the best time of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's pretty much uh, I, I did that uh, and was kind of successful, but ultimately unsuccessful in that. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't win a job for for a couple of years, but when I did, mm-hmm. it was Well, here we are in the middle of today's interview. Just a reminder that support for this podcast comes from Messina Covers, who has you covered, literally, for all of your custom case needs. The Eastman Music Company, providing excellence from the professional model to the beginner model. And of course, Pickett Blackburn, providing you with a multitude of options for mouthpieces and trumpets. Now, back to the interview.
Yeah. Uh, let's talk about chamber music a little bit. Uh, you know, even with a full-time job at the Met, are you able to do uh, anything like that? I know the schedule is, is pretty intense. Yeah, not as much as I would like. I really, uh, during, during summertime, usually I'm, I play it uh, wherever, whichever festival I'm at, usually it'll, it'll involve playing in, uh, in something at Brassville Head here or there, um, uh, or the, you know, the occasional cooling trio or whatever it is. But uh, I wish, man, if I could, if I could, be in a in a chamber group during the year. I should probably, if things get back to normal, that's maybe something that I would really like to, to do. Just because um, it's yeah, the time uh, is is really involved. But I think part of being in a great chamber group is just being in there with with people that you enjoy being around. Um, so uh, they, I mean, I enjoy being around a lot of people. Maybe they don't be enjoy being around me. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would I would like to. I love I love playing um, I love playing in chamber ensembles. I also like playing in cha- chamber ensembles that isn't just brass instruments. You know, on the rare occasion, the Met used to do with James Levine. He had a series at um, Carnegie, um, uh, the Chamber Music Hall there. Carnegie had a chamber series, and we would do chamber works that were although he would conduct them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were still chamber works and they were usually mixed ensemble things, you know, like uh, Stravinsky octet or these uh, pieces by Elliot Carter or um, uh, they, they, they so many different combinations. And that's really like, um, you know, uh, blending with other instruments. Um, and so, yeah, once in a while, but not nearly enough, um, not nearly enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking to uh, uh, Carl Lenthe. I don't know if you've worked with him. Carl uh, teaches yeah. at IU. And, yeah, yeah, and... sure. He came up, he played bass trumpet for us once uh, yeah. during, during a ring cycle. Yeah, that guy's a serious guy. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I've played with him here in the studios in Indianapolis. And, uh, you know, I, I hear him all the time on euphonium and trombone, and he's just, he's spectacular. But I was actually interviewing him earlier this week, and he has a ton of uh, opera experience. But he was mentioning yeah. a piece by Hindemith an opera piece by Hindemith. And I'm curious if really? you had, well, well now your question. <laughs> no, I hadn't yeah. Heard. Yeah. By the look oh. on your face. Right. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and look that up yeah, yeah. Uh, to see what that was, but uh, interesting. Yeah. So, um, uh, L'Histoire, yeah, you were mentioning uh, chamber pieces. Have you played L'Histoire? I have. Um, I played it, uh, I played it uh, enough, you know, I, I played it, uh, I probably performed it uh, six or seven times. Um, and each time I do it, and maybe even a little bit more than that, now that I think of it, um, each time I do, it's it's such a great piece of music. Um, and it's so much fun to do. And it's challenging. Um, uh, but it's also uh, just very rewarding. Um, and it, boy, what a great trumpet part. Um, so I've, I've done it. Um, most recently, I recorded it. Um, it was an interesting project. Roger Waters, uh, you know, of, of Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he lives out in Bridgehampton, where he has a house out there. At least, I'm sure he has houses everywhere. Um, <laughs> but he's a member of the community out there, and he um, and I've also played with the Bridgehampton Music Festival. Uh, uh, and actually, 
years ago, I did L'Histoire with them and they said, um, we're doing L'Histoire and Brandenburg. Um, and I said, um, I always just say yes. And so the thing I remember about it, and I remember thinking, well, you know, it's not on the same concert. It's, you know, separated by a day. But mm -hmm. what I didn't really think about is that we'd be rehearsing Brandenburg and L'Histoire mm -hmm. um, in the same couple of days. And to make matters worse, the Met was, I'm just realizing this, um, <laughs> just remembering this, the Met was on tour in Japan. And this, I forget what year it was, but when we tour, we tour for three or four weeks. So, um, and I screwed up the schedule somehow, or I wasn't thinking, surprise, surprise, that um, <laughs> basically I, I got off the plane at JFK and um, my first rehearsal was later that night. So for Brandenburg and Lestoir, um out in Long Island. So um, in my head, I was like, well, I'll land from Japan and JFK is close to Bridgehampton. It's not, I don't have to go back to the city. So I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll get on the LIE and, uh, and, and, and head out, head out there. And, um, uh, the Long Island Expressway, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so on paper at work, but like, who thinks that way? First of all, like we, we, sh <laughs> we were on time, but you could be delayed like two days coming back from a flight like that, or, you know, much less, to be in shape to play that I, I don't know what i was thinking and i can't remember the performances i'm sure they were lackluster but i think i survived them um so that was that was odd um but then years later um we did lasquare again without brandenburg fortunately mm -hmm. um and roger waters wanted to um love the piece and he's like oh we should do this so they assembled you know a great a, a fantastic uh um, uh, group to do it and uh, and we recorded it and Roger put it out on I have a I have a, a double album it's through Sony and it's uh, I actually it's a I mean it's available online mm -hmm. uh, obviously but um, I have a record of it and I'm, I'm a big record uh, I, I have a lot of records and so it was really nice to actually have a, a, a record of it mm -hmm. as well um, a vinyl uh, but so that was fun too. Uh, he he couldn't really do the uh, the the, 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 right. know, the to, to really get it together. So we recorded the music and then he went in the studio and, and wrote his own text to it. So that mm -hmm. that was interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, what what a great what a great piece. Yeah, you know uh, I've done my fair share of orchestra auditions. I've uh -huh. I've uh, worked on Petrushka, you know, just like everybody else. Right. My wife, who's a violinist, you know, kept saying, why are you getting so uptight about this? It's just a pit solo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a good <laughs> you know, point. yeah. But, you know, of course, that didn't make a hill of beans difference to me. It's yeah. like still, you know, one of the one of the big pieces. And uh, so you married up as well. <laughs> yes, okay. I did. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. Had a practice wife. I got it right the second time, though. Right. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Petrushka, uh, you've had an opportunity, I would imagine, to have played that. Uh, no, I was supposed to. In fact, the first time I was going to play that was this summer out at the Aspen Festival. The the last I do the last four weeks out there, and there's always really great concerts. Last year it was all Mahler, mm -hmm. <clears throat> several Mahler symphonies, and this year the last concert was going to be 
Petrushka on the first half and Beethoven 9 on the second half. So I was really looking forward to doing mm -hmm. both of those pieces, but especially I had never performed Petrushka. I mean, mm -hmm. we do we do symphonic. I, I play a lot of symphonic literature, and at certain, and at, even at the Met now, at, at the end of the season, we, mm -hmm. we do Carnegie Hall and we do uh, three three really busy concerts, um, and then I play a lot in the summertime. But um, yeah, never played Petrushka. So I was actually really looking forward to finally this August getting to play it. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I practiced it. I practiced it a lifetime of practicing. <laughs> I know the piece quite well. So I was actually really looking forward to uh, to, to, to performing it. Mm -hmm. So we came to New York City, oh, three or four years ago, uh, me and my wife and our, our two younger kids, and heard uh, Marriage of Figaro. Oh, nice. And just spectacular. You know, I mean, there's a reason you guys have the reputation you do. And it was, you know, from the costuming to the scenery to the orchestra, everything was, it was what you would hope for. And what a great experience. My, my kids loved it. Oh, that's good. It's a great yeah. opera. So, you know, they want to go back. I keep asking, you know, where would you like to go? And you keep thinking they want to go to Disney World. They want to do, and I'm like, no, let's go back to New York. Awesome. So uh, we'll have to get another. Yeah. You, but, got you know, to, well, I mean, hopefully we're back in business, but, uh, uh, assuming we are, you gotta let me know. Uh, yeah, yeah, show you around. Uh, so, uh, not Petrushka, but what other memorable <laughs> solos uh, may may have come across your stand there? Um, in terms of uh, symphonic repertoire, um, the, the the concerts that we do with the Met Orchestra in Carnegie, that series is always really interesting because um, it's different than when I play with, um, if, if I go, like I've gone and played guest principal trumpet, you know, for a week at a time with different orchestras here and there. So if I'm in Chicago Symphony, and this was uh, a couple years ago, obviously before Esteban was there, and uh, and I'm playing a week, you get four performances of it, as you know. Um, at the Met, when we do it, we do it once, we do mm. like a, a one hit. So we do really big repertoire. I've played, uh, I've played, you know, Mahler five and Mahler seven and, and Mahler nine and and uh, the Blumina solo. That's mm. and that's just Mahler. We, we just recently did Bruckner seven and we've done um, we've done Rite of Spring. I mean, every all the big hits, as it were. Uh, but we do it once. And so one of the more interesting memorable moments of that was uh, playing pictures at an exhibition and pictures at an exhibition was something that I had only ever played once. Um, still to this day, uh, I, I played it in school, but I didn't play principal on it. Um, uh, whereas, you know, whereas an opera like Wozzeck by Alban Berg, which is devilishly hard. And, um, you know, I played that maybe maybe 30 times. And I couldn't, I, I don't imagine there's a lot of trumpet players in my face the earth who have that. Um, but things like pictures in an exhibition, um, I played once, but when I played it, um, we did it in Carnegie and we did it with uh, Valery Gergiev, who mm. if you're gonna play pictures in an exhibition, uh, you wanna play it with, with him. Like he is as, Russian as Leonard Bernstein is American. Mm -hmm. Like he, mm -hmm. he's, he's, uh, he just encapsulates that music so well and is so important to it. So when we were doing it, um, 
I was at first nervous just because, you know, on the trumpet, sometimes anything can come out, you know, <laughs> reason, depending on the day. So um, just there's a certain amount of uptightedness by that. But um, I remember specifically uh, just Gergiev, he's got these hands. I don't know if you've ever seen him conduct, but yes. you know, yeah, exactly. He's got these fingers that kind of just float. And uh, he made me feel very, uh, very like this is just, it's not, he, in, in other words, in other words, I didn't give you the first words. Uh, uh, he, uh, it became much more about the music and much less about me in a practice room practicing that. I think that's something that I, I implore my students to do when they're, you know, the opening to Mahler 5 or the opening to, or that Petrushka solo or opening to pictures or whatever, mm -hmm. these really high profile moments, it's a lot more difficult to practice. Um, individually rather than in the momentum of the music and mm -hmm. while you're playing it. So um, I found myself, you know, after years of practicing it uh, and, you know, throwing stuff around and, and just being, you know, overall frustrated with it, um, just, you know, just trying to chip away at it, just trying to make it good, make it good, make it good. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it was nice to just not be constrained by any of the rules or what I thought. It was just, I played the phrase and it's not that big of a deal. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's one element in a much bigger piece. So uh, it's nice when you have those moments of uh, uh, elegance and simplicity, um, those things prevail in music rather than, you know, what my head is conjuring up of all the, the <laughs> difficulties and you have to play this and you have to compete with this and it's gotta be better than the next guy. You know, all that stuff is, mm -hmm. is really secondary, especially when you're in the hands of uh, a great uh, conductor. And, and also, I play, I play in like the, the best orchestra, uh, arguably, uh, in the world. Uh, uh, and it's a piece of cake. Like when you're playing with an amazing trumpet section, amazing brass section, you know, woodwind strings, everyone, you're doing it in Carnegie Hall. It's like, I, there was nothing bad about these experiences. So mm -hmm. um, one, one thing I, I remember, and I tell my students about that, performance though was we get to the great gate and in the rehearsal um you know of course then i go into overdrive i'm like okay i'm gonna play this like bill smith or bud herseth or whoever i grew up listening to and especially the first time around you, you you play you play too much you just don't have to but it's just like you get excited and i'm yep. still a little kid <laughs> holding the trumpet and i want to be heard um and he, he, started, you know, he says the same thing that every conductor always says. You remember the brass section. The first time it's forte when it comes mm -hmm. around, that, that big, great, glorious uh, golden gate, the great gates of Kiev, rather, um, uh, movement. Um, it's only marked forte. It's kind of like a more of a hymn than, a, than mm -hmm. a, you know, an attack. And the second time it's forte, it's loud, fortissimo, it's louder. Um, and he told us that, did it, and then it was, it was good. But then we start playing louder again, he told us again. And then he said, look, um, when you get to Kiev, he says, have you ever been there? And I was like, I haven't been outside of New York City. Kiev. <laughs> so um, he said, when you get there, there's a place where you can stand kind of up on a hill. And, uh, so you see all the buildings in parallel to your, your, your site. You can see all of Kiev. And throughout Kiev, there are these uh, golden top domes of all the churches throughout mm -hmm. Kiev, and um, if the sun is out and it the light hits a certain way, it says, 
the entire city turns to gold just because of the glow of the gold of the sun off of these golden buildings. He said, that's what I would like this to sound like. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, the way he said it. Uh, and the amazing thing was, you know, just the visceral imagery. And then we all, that's just the way it sounded. So uh, it was uh, just hearing the whole brass section transform by listening intently to someone's words uh, rather than this, uh, you know, this duel that's so many times between brass section mm -hmm. conductors and string sections. This was, uh, this was really glorious. And, and so it's just fun. It's just, it's such a great job. I'm so lucky to have it, but, but mm -hmm. those are, you know, I've, that, that was one particularly uh, memorable performance. Mm -hmm. And it's just once. So it kind of makes those things, you know, there's no, okay, well, it'll be better on the Saturday night show or the reviewers will come, you know, not till the Friday <laughs> night show. It's, it, it's, it's, it's one time. And to make things well better or worse, depending on the way you look at it, each time I go there, my, well, my father's passed away, but uh, my parents would sit in the same box mm -hmm. um, right and where they sit and, all the people in the brass section know that it's my parents and it's now it's been my mom. So, you know, she sees me wait and they'll all wave back. So <laughs> she's in, she's in the same spot and it's usually right above the conductor's head. So if I'm looking at, you know, for a long time it was Levine, now it's Yannick. Um, and we've had great guest conductors along the way and Fabio Luisi and fantastic conductors, but I can't help but look at the conductor, but see now my mom, and it was my mom, my dad, like right above yeah. his or her head. So um, it, for me, it's 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 really special uh, every every time you play there. You know, I, I you talk about the difference between getting to perform a program three or four times versus one, like you're talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, I, the regional orchestras that I play with, it's typically a Saturday morning dress and a Saturday evening concert. So you know, mm -hmm. if you're talking about pictures, you know. It's it's a, a double on Friday and then a Saturday morning dress. So having to play the program four times yeah. through in two days, you know, so you get to that Saturday night and, and I know exactly what you're talking about. The first time I got to play pictures, th uh, Friday afternoon, first rehearsal, I was like, just like you're talking about, you know, you get to a great gate and you let it go. Right. So I get to the Saturday night performance and I'm like, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm out of gas, you know, almost yeah. out of gas. And so, you know, it's, uh, you, it's you do what you have curve. to do to get through it. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. And mm -hmm. some of the rehearsals, uh, James Levine was notorious about, the, uh, um, you know, and remember we're, we do these concerts in the middle of the season. We used to, now they're all at the end of the season, but, uh, when it was him, uh, we'd have a Sunday performance in Carnegie because that was, our, but so some of us had played both shows on Saturday mm -hmm. and then uh, and we rehearsed during the week in addition. And then Sunday we'd have an 11 to one in the hall and then uh, a three o'clock show. So, and Levine would often go late. So uh, we would run whatever it is over and over and over again. And then like we'd go over from one Okay. Now it's, now it's five minutes of two and, uh, my orchestra manager is sweating bullets because they know that every minute we stay on the stage is like thousands and th tens of thousands of dollars. And you know, we're barely getting a break. So 
Um, you know, some conductors are better about that than others. Um, but either way, certainly um, having the, the maturity to maybe not, uh, maybe just save it for the show is a skill that many trumpet players, myself included, yeah. just don't have. Just because, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to control. Well, it's the music, right? I mean, you can't lay back, even in rehearsal, right? It's hard to lay back just because you're right. in the groove. Yeah, so. Yeah, true. We also um, want to go off, you know, just trumpet players. Like, we just don't <laughs> want to, we never want to phone it in. It's just always the same. Yeah. Uh, one quick question about uh, uh, natural trumpets. I, I heard through the grapevine that uh, they're making their way into the Met. Is that right? Really? Which that... grapevine? <laughs> oh, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I want to make sure to crush that grapevine before I get there. Um, no, I, you know, uh, well, the rotary trumpets we've been doing much more over the last, now we, we play them a lot. Natural trumpets, maybe, uh, I mean, I could see that. Certainly we do, we do some Baroque operas, um, um, we do some Baroque operas that it would be great. And, um, you know, whereas we're playing them, usually if it's high, we'll do it on a piccolo trumpet. If not, you know, just a, a mm -hmm. regular C or B flat. But um, I can certainly see the appeal for that. I know that the timpani player has a, a Baroque set of timpani that he uses. and uh, But but the, the string players, it's always kind of a hybrid mix of, old and new you know we mm -hmm. might have um we might have like uh, a basso continuo play but and and we might have some old instruments but then the string section is always modern and remember we're playing to the met is four thousand seats mm. i mean it's the largest well you've been in there so you mm -hmm. see so even and the acoustics are amazing so uh you know i, I don't know how i feel about mixing broke but i'd be open for it i mean uh I, I, do you play a lot of natural trumpet? I see no, not a lot, but uh, yeah. In fact, uh, one of those, uh, the uh, brass for beginners trumpet, the shiny one back there. Okay. Uh, that's uh, one that's just been made. That's uh, you can play with a, a modern mouthpiece. You know, you don't have to go completely uh, retro there. Right. Right. Um, but it's got a four hole system, or you can play the natural. You know, no uh -huh. no vented yard, but. Uh, actually somebody, this is the grapevine and I'll edit this out. So I don't embarrass anybody. Ah. Um, was somebody who said that they auditioned for the Met and they had to have natural trumpet. Ah. And, uh, see now, now this is going to cause some, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, you know what you, it might be that we're confusing things because I know that the. For recently, if it was recently, there was a, uh, an audition for Mostly Mozart. And the Mostly Mozart Festival, which is in Lincoln Center, uh, and the person that won the job was the second trumpet player, Ray Riccomini, in my work. In, That's in, him. Ah, yeah. uh, so, okay, so it wasn't for the Met, it was for a different... Exactly. I and, understand. And he plays it there, he plays it there, and he plays it quite well, and he has one of those trumpets that yeah. he says is really easy. And so he went from not, I don't think he ever played a natural trumpet um, to buying one of those things and figuring it out and winning a job on it. <laughs> but that's not at the Met. I mean, he's a player at the Met. He's second trumpet at the Met, but in the summertime, uh, 
uh, and he plays with this mostly Mozart orchestra, and they are doing uh, a lot of mm-hmm. repertoire. They do Brahms on on natural trumpet, and that makes sense because um, you know the ensemble is is based in doing classical and Baroque music, so mm-hmm. uh, uh, that th- that makes total sense. But inside the Met Opera House, um, it would be an interesting experiment, um, and we're always you know, we're always open to playing a double, getting paid to play. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I try anything. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't have that much experience with them. It seems like fun. I mean, I have enough hard time with the addition of valves. I, I wouldn't imagine, you know, taking them out would be very much fun. But I certainly like the sound of it um, uh, a lot, especially mm-hmm. when playing uh, on the piccolo trumpet. Just uh, It just... I think the best players can make it sound really natural, but I think as soon as there's no, you know, as soon as you hear, uh, it doesn't even have to be Brandenburg, Brandenburg, Cherry, mm-hmm, anything, mm-hmm. uh, Handel or Telemann or anything played on, on a natural trumpet. It just sounds uh, correct. And then yeah. with a piccolo trumpet next to it, it just sounds somehow manufactured. So, um, I, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in it. Um, I tried a Cornetto. That was, that was not good. Because uh, that's really hard. Yeah. I mean, even to get your mouth around it, but then to figure out the eight holes and um, that's that was uh, a, a, a quick retirement from that. But yeah. natural trumpet, I'd, I'd, I'd be into checking it out now with all my free time. Maybe yeah. I'll take a hacksaw to this thing, yeah. make a natural trumpet. Well, I mean, how hard could it be, right? Three buttons on the horns we play right now, right? And that that's what everybody yeah. says. Famous last words, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let's back up a little bit more. Uh, we we haven't talked. I mean, you said you'd gone to Juilliard, but uh, and studied with Chris. Um, what about you know getting into? You said you grew up in a house where opera and and other music was being played. Uh, what drew you to the trumpet? When and and how did all that happen? Um. Uh. uh when I was when I turned thirteen. Um, I had a, a bar mitzvah and my dad bought me as, so, you know, when you're 13, you have a bar mitzvah, like that's your big present like that, that that's, um, uh, that, that was a big deal. So the present that he gave me was a stereo, uh, record player. My dad was an audiophile and he has, uh, I have his stereo system now. It's, it's a really great, amazing thing. Um, but at the time, he, I remember he bought me a stereo and a record player and a couple records. And one of the records was uh, Winton. And it was, uh, it was an album called Winton. It's got a tan cover. And on it, he plays the first tune is called Angel Eyes. And it's, um, it's this great kind of... It's the old Frank Sinatra tune, right? Uh, yeah, it's like... Uh, <laughs> does it um and he does it this, it starts off with this great really aggressive almost a cadenza where he just uh just this this pyrotechnics and then it's this he plays that tune and he does these bends and it's uh all the the his sound is so diffuse and i was just awestruck i mean it was really uh really made a uh, an impact on me and uh, so I remember being 13, just 
playing, just trying to transcribe as much as I could mm -hmm. uh, from that. And more than transcribing the actual solo, because so, so much of it was in Stratosphere, I couldn't even dream <laughs> doing it. But um, just trying to get his sound in my, in my, in my sound was, a, I remember an early preoccupation of mine uh, and just uh, trying to get his, his way of manipulating the notes and just, just his sound. Um, so that was, um, and of course I had this great stereo to play it on. So um, that was a pretty big influence and went, and went on to be, and still is a, a huge mm -hmm. influence on me. And, and he, uh, I was lucky enough to be able to, um, well, my parents, my dad was a big jazz fan. Uh, and my mom, uh, also jazz fan, but also uh, really, uh, and both of them, played the piano, although not professionally. So um, there was equal amounts jazz as there was opera and symphonic music and, and mm -hmm. piano. Um, so, uh, yeah, like growing up, you know, the, on the weekends, my parents would go downstairs and listen to music and I would watch them listen to music. Mm -hmm. So there was always music on the house. It was, and then, uh, uh, my parents started taking me into the city to go to places like the Blue Note and uh, and hear whenever Winton was there because I was so enamored with his playing. Uh, they would bring me, and um, I remember being the only kid there. And we had the table right close to the bandstand, which was just you know inches away from his bell. And, and uh, I'd go, and my mom, uh, my mom uh, is not shy and uh would and i was and uh she said well let's go backstage and meet him I said, ah, you can't do that i don't want to bother so uh but enough times of doing that went and said and my mom put me in front of him saying this is my boy he plays trumpet um and he said well why don't you come by that apartment and play for me and that was like when i was yeah like i said when i was 13 and that was the first of many, many, many lessons that my parents used to drive me in for. And mm -hmm. um, that turned into uh, uh, just a, a friendship and mentorship um, over the years to the point that even when Winton texts me every once in a while, he did it just a, 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 just a, a few weeks ago, actually. Now, actually, it was a month ago. I was a hard time remembering time lately. Um, right. <laughs> and just still when he texts me or, or calls, I'm like, I get the same feeling of, uh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And I kind of drop everything. Um, so he's been, uh, he's been, uh, one of the, he, he's, he's been really special. And he, mm -hmm. he, uh, when my father passed away, he, he was there and, uh, wow. a lot to my family. So he's just an all around great individual. Um, and so, yeah, big influence on me on many, in many ways. Did you ever actually do a formal study with him? Yeah, well, as formal as it got. I mean, I remember that first lesson going to his apartment. He had an apartment on 2nd Avenue and 18th Street. Um, it's a brownstone. I remember it vividly. And uh, he had two levels of the brownstone. Uh, so he had the, the bottom level and the ground level. And I remember uh, going there for the first time. I went there, and I was a 13-year-old kid. Like, my mom's with me. And... Uh, he said, uh, so I had my trumpet, but I didn't think to bring anything else. And I remember going in there and seeing his apartment and seeing his Grammys and seeing this and seeing that. And uh, 
said, well, what do you want to play? And I played something by memory. I honestly can't remember what it was. He said, all right, well, let's get down to work. Uh, why don't you get your Arden book out? And I said, oh, I, I left it at home. Uh, I, I, and he goes, okay, no problem. I'll, I'll get mine. So he goes downstairs to his bedroom and he comes up with his Arden book and he puts it on the stand. And I was just, I was just, my jaw was, I was like, that's, it's not even that Winton was right there next to me. I was like, that's Winton's Arvin book. Like that's his book. And I was like touching it. Like it was the Holy grail. Um, so yeah, we, and then throughout college, when I was at Juilliard, um, he lived, we said several different apartments, but when I was at Juilliard, he lived in Lincoln center. There's a big building that went up, um, in the, in the nineties, um, uh, as, as part of the Lincoln Center, it's, mm -hmm. it's right just it's across the street from the Met. It's right behind Juilliard. And he lived there for quite a number of years. And uh, so he was always right there. So I used to go there when I was at Juilliard, just, you know, pop in and uh, call him up, say, hey, can I play this for you? So, um, yeah, I remember working on uh, working on Hindemith Sonata with him, Mahler, just basic technique. We're just mm -hmm. like going there and, and hanging out and just watching him navigate life it was just uh, mm -hmm. really inspiring um so yeah i mean I, I i say that i was kind of a student of his i still am a student of his i think mm -hmm. the world is a student of his uh especially now um the things that he's, he's spoken out about about um not only the just, just civil uh liberties and 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 the movement going on right now mm -hmm. he's got a really amazing voice and um on that and just his playing says it all um yeah he, he's he's uh obviously can hear by my stumbling over the words he means a lot to me and he means a lot to a lot mm -hmm. of people. so he's just yeah he's, he's incredible this is, to me that's fascinating because you know here i am talking to the principal trumpet of the metropolitan opera expecting to say you know you made uh all these trips to visit uh all the great brass gurus like you know, you'd Herseth or Gitaller, Wazan, and, you know, and you, and, but now, now, not, I'm not diminishing Winton at all, but it's not the genre I would, ex, was expecting. Yeah, well, you know, well, I mean, but, you know, like, you know, Winton's classical recordings, uh, I mean, I think as far as a trumpet player goes, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a better physical mm -hmm. specimen than Winton. I mean, it's pretty outstanding what he can do. But, um, yeah, you know, you had mentioned Gitaller. Um, I, I played and took some lessons with him. He did a festival that Jerry Schwartz, Jerry Schwartz is also one of my mm -hmm. heroes that I'm in contact with now. Um, uh, but Gitala was, so I did a, a Jerry Schwartz's music festival in New Jersey called Waterloo. And it was all students. And then the principal players were players like Gitala. And um, I heard him play. I fell in love with that guy as soon as he, he <laughs> You just see his smile and it's like he's just uh, he's he's the uncle that you want you know he's just <laughs> such, such, such an amazing guy or was and um and his playing is like uh just so human you could see into his soul just by listening to his tone really it's such a beautiful player anyway um so i was lucky to have met him and spent a little bit of time with him and heard him play but then fast forward uh, and that, that was when i was a student then a couple of years ago uh, up here where I am at now in West Stockbridge, close to Tanglewood, um, whenever Winton, Winton's band Jazz at the Center came and played at Tanglewood, 
he'd come by the house um, afterwards or if he's there during the day, or I'd say, hey, can I feed you or whatever. So in this case, he came right after the show. Um, uh, his driver dropped him off here and then I told him I'd drive him back to his hotel uh, to meet up with the rest of the band. So we're back here and I cook for him and uh, I tried to cook all this New Orleans food and I did my best. And uh, Anyway, so uh, we're hanging out with my family here and my kids and um, I've got all these records, like I said, and I had uh, organized, I had alphabetized everything. I've got several hundred records and especially the jazz, I, I offered, so in case he wanted to hear something, I didn't want to be fumbling for it. Mm. <laughs> I had everything to go, and uh, so we're sitting, eating, uh, and drinking, and I said, Wynn, what do you want to hear? He says, oh, put on whatever you want. And uh, I go for one of his records, and I drop <laughs> the needle, and he said, look, I'm having a really good time, but if you want to ruin it, keep playing that. Um, <laughs> said, you know, put, on, put on something else. And I said, well, what do you want to hear? He goes, Play whatever you want to play for me. So um, I grabbed uh, Gitala's, I have a, uh, so when I was at the time with at Waterloo, um, Gitala gave me and all of the students uh, one of his, or no, I had a record of his and I, he autographed it for me. And he was a cartoonist, so he did a little doodle and he wrote on it. I always cherished, so I had a, 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 a plastic sleeve so the autograph wouldn't wear off. Anyway, mm -hmm. it's a recording of him playing um, the Molter Concerto, I think the Hummel Concerto maybe, and a piece called the Albrechtsberger Concerto. Mm -hmm. And um, it's uh, he plays it with the Boston Symphony Chamber Ensemble, and I think it's the second movement. He plays, and every time I hear it, just a little, a little tear wells up in my eye because the sound is so beautiful and his phrasing is so pristine. And it's so high. He does it's on would be on a B flat piccolo trumpet and he just feathers these top notes and you know he's playing on a piece of junk. It's not like he has he has all the excuses excuses in the world because like I can go on Amazon right now and get a trumpet better than the one that he was probably playing on. So uh, and he plays this death defyingly high piece with such elegance and grace, and I just love it's just so beautiful. And uh, so I dropped the needle on that and I saw it and Winton was at my dining room table and talking to my wife and my kids. And then I dropped the needle and he stopped and he had the same reaction that I did. Um, and just, you see, and just, I think all trumpet players, we just melt when we hear something that, that is that hard and is that beautiful. And uh, Winton was like, what you have to, what is this? This is, uh, and he, of course he had heard Vitala and, uh, and, and, and knew of his playing quite well, but, wasn't familiar with this recording and mm -hmm. he agreed and it's just uh if i had if i had four measures of trumpet um probably the last four measures of trumpet i'd ever want to hear uh before i kick it this would make a run for wow. it i would want to hear that <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's uh, anyway that's a long story oh, that's a great story i'm glad you told it that yeah, was yeah. terrific yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a great yeah. record and the coolest thing about the record is that he's sitting there at Gitala, um, uh, he's, uh, I guess he had a house maybe on a cape or somewhere along the, the water somewhere. Maybe it was up here. I'm not sure, but, uh, it was in the Boston area and, um, he has this really cool music stand and the picture is him is he has a stand and he has a, a stand on a stand for his pipe. 
So he's, he's got this pipe stand on his stand and he's holding his trumpet and he's really relaxed and you see the ocean behind him or the bay or whatever it is. And he's just outside like in the water, like just, and it's just a really casual picture and it's such a great photo of him. Uh, and that's what the album cover is, but the whole album is, is really great. And it meant a lot to see that something, you know, somebody like Winton who, who, who you know, can play anything really taken aback by, by this, by this view. Are there uh, more contemporary players that, that you think would kind of fit that bill that, that move you the way that does? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that's kind of like a once in a lifetime thing, but I hear stuff all the time. Uh, You know, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taken sometimes by just the amazing playing of certain people. Um, Like just, well, we're trumpet players, so when we hear this ease of this proficiency, we're just immediately drawn to that. But as soon as there's even a little bit of music behind it, it's like it's incredible. So I, I find inspiration uh, many different places. Whether it's uh, you know uh, hearing uh, hearing uh, uh, Omar, the, one of the new principal players in, in Concertgebouw, play. Um, uh, he's, he's, he's just a monster or, uh, or hearing, uh, Hoken play, uh, he's been, uh, he played All the Charliers. Oh, well, there's that, which is really yeah. depressing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's super depressing. I tell my students, like, it's, that's not only depressing on a, on a, on a trumpet level that he can, you know, whittle those off with nothing, but it's like, you know, here I am like, and I'm, uh, you know, I've got crappy lighting and, I, and I'm, I'm talking into a computer and everything's kind of bad. He's in HD, like uh, in a oh, concert right, hall right. and he looks incredible and it's like not a hair out of place and everything. He's just like this silvery, just amazing, just uh, glistening in every way uh, trumpet player. And mm-hmm. it's just incredible. It's, it's, uh, it's outstanding. Um, so yeah, there's that, but uh, the time that he's come up to Tanglewood and, and played live, and I had an occasion to play with him once or twice. It's 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 really amazing. So um, yeah, there, there's there's great, but I also you know I'll I'll find inspiration in uh, trumpet playing, sure, but you know other instruments as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm 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 often overwhelmed by the amount of talent out there, and uh, I take whatever I can from it. You know, we just did this seminar for two weeks and um, we did master classes not only with some of the guys in the Boston Symphony, but then we had guests like Karen Bliznik in from St. Louis and we had uh, we had uh, Esteban in from Chicago and hearing Gabor play and, and Fritz Damrau. Um, and um, it was, we never stopped learning and, and I found myself uh, really learning uh learning things on the spot that just didn't dawn on me in my what 30 plus years of playing the trumpet mm-hmm. um so yeah it's kind of a never-ending thing of of, of, of amazement and uh, i think uh, uh, aiming up is always an important thing so mm-hmm. uh, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll be better tomorrow than I am today on the trumpet. Um, you know, I, I tell my students, I'm never ashamed to admit that um, I have so much more to learn 
Yeah. Right. There's so much uh, great repertoire out there. There's so many great people to share their ideas out there. And it's okay if you don't know it today, right? But make the opportunity, take the opportunity to learn something. And it's like I, I was uh, I was talking to Bobby Shu yesterday. Uh -huh. I inter interviewed him. And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I've been playing a long time. But I kept learning new things <laughs> from yeah. everything he's saying. It's like, so a lot of ways, these these interviews are turning. I, what the real goal of this is, I'm getting a free lesson with you. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that's, yeah, you can bill me later, but right. no, and, and that's that's not the intent of these, you know. But right. I do, I do feel like sometimes, like I can't believe what I just learned, right? You know, from this, and it's it's all fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Sorry, just getting tape from the drawer. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Bobby Shu is amazing, and um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll be sure to check out that interview. But um, yeah, uh, it's uh, you know, especially now uh, taking performing for granted uh, without you know uh, just being separated from everything. I think everybody's it's it's not easy and i think it's it's something that kind of reinforces i mean i i'm hoping that when things get back to normal um and enough you know hopefully we've skirted some of the damage i know in indianapolis uh you know the symphony uh they just oh. wrote their guys and it's just uh it's rough it's really rough all around and, and uh, uh i know that uh you know it's it's rough for us but uh, you know we're managing i know a lot of people have it much worse. So, and some people are dealing with some real, yeah, real tragic circumstances. But I, I hope, I hope that uh, in the end of this, once things are normalized, I hope there's, um, I hope there's a, uh, every, everybody's kind of embracing the arts now because when there's nothing left, you know, I mean, how many cat videos can you watch? You know, you end up seeing, you end up watching the concerts, you end up watching the you know, the comedians and you end up watching, you know, soon Netflix is going to run out. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do when Netflix runs out. Like I need entertainment. Uh, so maybe I'll even start reading a book. How about that? So uh, I'm saying like, that's when everything else stops and all the BS stops and your life stops. And even for many of us making money stop, like when literally everything halts, the only thing that we have, I found we have two things. We have, the arts and we have science like mm -hmm. those things and uh, of course there are other things but uh at the at the heart of it i, I you know it, uh, it's i've been thinking a lot about this lately uh not to get really boring on you but um you know when when all stops like what do you rely on um mm -hmm. and for me it's even even the sourdough bread thing that i've been doing like that's art and it's science it's more it's math you know mm -hmm. like or whatever brings you sustenance and and keeps you busy it, it, i think the basis of it is usually art and science so i think i'm my hope is that when you know it's, it's not going to happen obviously with the state of politics and all that but um i i hope that when things return there's a, a renewed interest and mm -hmm. um emphasis on both the arts and science um, mm -hmm. and, and obviously i'm not unique in thinking this way but um that's my hope. Um, uh, well, you know, somebody had said, I, I heard this a long time ago, was science 
is what keeps us alive. Art is what gives us a reason to live. Right. You yeah. know, and I think exactly what you're saying, you know, that I think that lines up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we'll see. Uh, but I, I certainly can't, I know me and, and my colleagues, I mean, everybody, artists everywhere, um, and everybody, everybody's just raring and just chomping up a bit. I can't wait to get back yeah. and be productive. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful we can bring some, something good into, uh, into the future. At least, uh, I know my kids, I'll be interested when I'm a really old man, uh, to hear what my kids tell their kids about living with me and living during, uh, together during this, mm -hmm. this time. It's, it's, uh, Certainly, certainly been interesting. Yeah. Remember that year when dad went crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Was... <laughs> yeah. He went to, he, he went to stop talking to the computer and baking bread. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah it's, it's, been, yeah. it's been interesting. That's for yeah. sure. Well, I want to thank you. I mean, this this has been a real treat. Thank you oh, very much for sharing. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah. I'm happy to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to hear any of this, you know, before it goes out, let me know. Um, All right. Just, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think either of us threw anybody under the bus. So no, there's you know, time. I mean, yeah, let me talk for like 20 <laughs> minutes and I'll get there. But yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm happy to. Uh, yeah. It's my pleasure. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. And uh, please stay healthy. I will. Same to you. I'll try. Thank you. Stay, All yeah, right. Yeah, my best, everybody. All right. Thank you very Thanks. much. Take care. Bye-bye.